lives. The title of my message this evening, coming out of just where we were last week, I'm not in a series at this point, but the title of my message this evening is simply, Is Your Love on Display? It's a challenge, uh, it's a word, a challenging word, not that it's a hard word, but it, it's just a personal challenge towards us through Scripture. And, you know, I know it is uh, Valentine's Day coming next week, and you know, we might call it Love Month. It's not really why I picked this, but I thought it might be appropriate for the month of February anyway. It's something that I've been wanting to preach because I think we should always use the Word of God to examine where we're at, to allow the Word of God to challenge us to make sure that we are demonstrating the spirit and the character of Christ in our lives, amen, and that we just are a reflection of the kingdom of God. And one of the best ways that we can be a reflection of His love is through this thing that we call love. And it's not an earthly love that I'm talking about. It's a divine, supernatural, heavenly love, and we'll, that's what we're going to look at tonight. But my focus, I'm going to intro and then we'll pray, but my focus is, is simply going to be on the word love. But how many of you know that love is far more than a, the love that I'm talking about or that God talks about in Scripture is far more than a simple four-letter word, amen? Now, how many of you know that the only reason that you and I are here in the house of God tonight is because of love? It's because of God's love. Because the Word of God tells me that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And the truth is, there's nothing simple about that kind of love. There's nothing simple about that sacrifice that God made and Jesus Christ made on our behalf. There's nothing simple about the fact that God gave up His Son there's nothing simple about the fact that Christ gave up his life for you and for me. The reality is our salvation is built on this word love. Eternal life is built on this word love. The family of God is built and established on this thing, this word called love, and it's held together by this word that we call love. Uh, Jesus Christ offered himself for you and for me all because of this word that we call love. Uh, so like I said, there's nothing simple about the love. There's nothing simple about the message or the word that I'm going to bring and speak to you this evening. Now, the truth is, you should know this, that the reason South Metro ministry exists is because of love. Love is the reason we exist, church. If you know our, our motto, you know our mission statement, it exists to help others find what? Love, growth, and purpose in Jesus Christ. And it's what our vision, vision statement is built upon. It's, it's why we open our doors. It's why we do ministry. It's why we do the things that we do inside of the house of God. It's all in an effort to help others find the love of God, church, because there's nothing that can change a life like the love that I'm speaking about this evening. It's why we should be, uh, it's why uh, the love that I'm talking about should be on display every time someone walks through these doors. Everywhere that an individual comes into the house of God, the love of God that I'm talking about should be on display. It should be on display at the front door and the back door. It should be on display in every seat. It should be on display behind the pulpit. It should be on display behind the instruments. It should be on display in the nursery room and in the youth room and in the, in the children's. Every place in this house of God, the love of God should be on display. But the reality is, listen to me, the love of God should be on display out there as well. Not just in the house of God, it should be on display out there in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation because it is what will draw people into the kingdom of God and into the family of God. Uh, the reality is that's what I want to look at this, morning, this evening. I want to look at this word called love, but not any old love. Not, I want to look at perfect love, or we'll call it agape love. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm not talking about a modern day interpretation of love. Because how many of you know society has a modern-day interpretation of love? I'm not talking about Hollywood's uh, uh, display of love or Hollywood's interpretation of love. I'm not even uh, talking tonight about Webster's Dictionary's definition of love. I want to look at agape love. Not, a, not as defined by man, not as defined by Hollywood or the secular society in which we live. I want to look at it as defined and described by Scripture and as demonstrated by God. Amen? Because how many of you know God demonstrated His love? 
didn't talk about it. He demonstrated it, the Bible says, and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And that's what I want us to remember this evening as we go through this passage or we go through this message, uh, that love is a demonstration. Love that I'm talking about is actually a verb. It, love is an action. Uh, agape love, according to the Word of God, must be put into motion where it has no f- effect and it has no value. The kind of love that I'm talking about, unless it's living and active, unless it's alive and breathing, unless it has hands and unless it has feet, unless it's put into motion, it's actually empty and, and powerless and has no value. But I say all that to remind us and get us to understand that the love that we'll be speaking about this evening is far more than a simple four-letter word. It is the attitude of the heart put on display. And that's where I get the title of my message this evening, Is Your Love on Display? Because the reality is every single day, that's what we've been commissioned to do. And that's what we've been commissioned to portray and display on our life. It is the love of a living God. It is the love of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we'll look at this evening. And that's the question, is your love on display? But before we go there, let's one more time go to the Lord and let's just pray. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... Uh, the ability and the opportunity and the privilege to come into your house, to be students of your word, and tonight even me to be a speaker or a preacher of your word or a teacher of your word. God, it's an honor for every single one of us to be in your house tonight, God. I thank you that you gave us life and you gave us breath. I thank you, Father, that we can call you teacher and we can be your students. I thank you we can call you Abba, Father, and we can be your children, God. And tonight I pray that you would do that, that you would speak to your children, that you would teach us as students, that you would open up your word, God, give us truth and give us revelation. I pray that I and each one here would come under your power, your authority, and your anointing, God. We submit and yield ourselves to you, God, that, you, that, that I might speak what you want me to speak and that they might hear what you want them to hear, God. I just pray that you would be glorified in the midst of it all. Give us the strength and the power and the anointing that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. When it comes to the word love, I know we might, it, it might look, like I said, like a simple four-letter word. It's easy to spell. It's easy to say, love, L-O-V-E, but it's probably one of the hardest words for man to define. It's probably one of the hardest words for man to describe, and it's even harder for us to put it on display. It's even harder for us at times to demonstrate the kind of love that God's calling us to display or that is to be put on display in our life. Uh, For most people, love is described as an emotion. It might be something that we feel. It's, it's this warm and fuzzy feeling that we have inside. Tina Turner described it as a secondhand emotion, and meaning the way that she experienced love out there in this world, it was nothing more than a cheap hand-me-down emotion, a cheap hand-me-down feeling. And the reality is there's a lot of individuals in this world that think that's all love is because they've never experienced the love of God that I'm talking about. The kind of love that has been uh, simply portrayed on them or that they've experienced is nothing more than a cheap emotion. It's nothing more than a hand-me-down. It's nothing more than someone uses in order to get what they want out of an individual. I think that that's the way the world looks at love, church, but that's not the way God defines it. There's nothing, you know, the world looks at it as something with no real intrinsic value. You understand? But again, how many of you know there's nothing cheap about the love of God? There's nothing cheap about agape love. And what we need to understand is that the love that we're talking about cost God his son, and it cost Jesus Christ his life. God, God paid a price that we could not pay because of the love that he had for you and me. And the reality is to put this kind of love on display in our lives, it's going to cost us something as well. For us to put on uh, this kind of love on display, it's going to cost us something, church, because the truth is agape love or the love of God is selfless, the Bible teaches. And so in other words, 1 Corinthians tells us that love is not self-seeking. 
The kind of love that we're talking about has to be able to look past itself and beyond itself into the life of someone else and have something to offer them, church. That's what God did for us. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. It cost them both something. And in order for us to put that same kind of love on display, it's going to cost us something as well. And guess what? It's going to cost us ourselves. Because the reality is you and I cannot display the love of God if we're selfish people. We cannot display the love of God if we're self-centered, prideful people. We have to be, to be an example of Jesus Christ and to be an example of the love that God displayed and the example of love that Jesus Christ displayed. We have to be selfless people can't be self-centered people. We can't be egotistical, proud, or or haughty people. We have to be willing to to surrender ourselves in order to demonstrate or display the love of God in the lives of those around us, church. But the reality is the world defines love differently, just like Tina Turner did. Many describe love as a feeling, like I said, that you get deep down inside. Little butterflies flying around in your stomach when you're a teenager and and you're in love. That's what it feels like, butterflies just down in your stomach and you, you get all giddy about it, church. For many, it's nothing more, especially with the holiday coming up next week. Love is, is displayed in a, in a box of chocolates or a Valentine's card. Maybe in a pretty poem or a, a teddy bear with a bow. Maybe it's a kiss and some candles and a bunch of rose petals scattered around the room. But the Word of God teaches us that it is so much more than any of those things. There is a love that we can put on display that's so much more than a box of chocolates, that's so much more than a piece of jewelry, that's so much more than a bouquet of flowers, and they're they're all nice things to do, but those things won't change the world. There's a love that we must put on display that has the power to break through into the darkness, that has the power to touch a soul, that has the power to change a life, that has the power to set a sinner free, that has the power to open prison doors, that has the power to break through guilt and shame and condemnation. There is a love that is so much greater than all the ways that this world defines it. And listen, we are the ones that are supposed to be the billboard and the headline of God's kind of love. We are the ones that during the day must display the love of God. Listen, Jesus did his job and God did his job. Jesus doesn't have to climb up on Calvary's cross once again. God doesn't have to send his son once again. He demonstrated his love and Jesus demonstrated his love. And now guess whose turn it is to demonstrate the love of God? It's ours. We are the ones that are to be a demonstration of the love of God. We are the ones that are supposed to be a display of God's love because Jesus already did his job. He's not going to come back to earth and hang on the cross again. He's going to come and take us back home. But the reality is, listen, we are supposed to be that demonstration. That's my point. For many, love is something you fall into. I just fell into love. Three weeks later, they fall right out of it. Agape love, perfect love, godly love. He don't do that, amen? How many of you know or how many of you are grateful that there is a steady, unconditional, unconditional, and unchangeable love? There is a love that stays the same in every single season. There is a love that is unconditional. There is a love that, 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 that isn't built upon how I act or what I do. There's an unconditional love, church, and it is called agape love. How many of you are glad that God has a love for us that, that he doesn't fall into and fall out of? There is a love that God has for us that he doesn't fall into when I'm good and fall out of when I'm bad. There's a love that God has for us that, that he doesn't fall into when I sing happy songs and I'm walking according to his word and, and, and praying and reading the word of God and making the sacrifices that I need. He doesn't fall in love with us, church, because I do good things. Because he demonstrated his love when I was what? A sinner. When I was dirty and filthy and rotten and doing what was displeasing to him, in the midst of that, he demonstrated his love. So listen to me, church. There's nothing we can do that will cause him to fall out of love with us. And yet the world feels that way. There's some individuals in the house of God that feel that way. Well, I messed up today. God must not love me anymore. I walked in my own ways today. God must not love me anymore. 
I did something wrong. I felt short. I fell into temptation. I said the wrong thing. I lost my temper. I had some jealousy today. I looked at the wrong thing today. God, please don't fall out of love with me today. That's not the love of God. That's not agape love, church. There is a love that God has for us that he doesn't fall into and he doesn't fall out of. Amen? That's what we have to understand. Listen, when I mess up, when I make mistakes, even when I ignore them, even if I turn away from them, the Bible tells me there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Now listen to me. As our love for him grows stronger and our love for him grows deeper, we begin to not do those things as much anymore. Amen? Because without him trying to make us feel guilty and without him trying to condemn us, without him trying to pull his love away, we begin to please him more. We begin to live for him more. We, we begin to sacrifice ourselves for him more. The more you understand about the love of God, the more you're able to display that love out there in this world and the more you're able to live under that love as well, church. But the love that I'm talking about, God doesn't give and take away. Dance for me. Here, you can have it. Stop dancing, I'll take it away. Do good and I'll give it to you. Do bad and I'll take it away. Listen, you can go through life. The devil will whisper that to you. God don't love you no more. And you know why he does that? To just get you discouraged. He says that to get you to stop even trying. Listen, I've been there. How many have ever been there, man? You've been in this period in your life where you're just trying to grow in the Lord. You mess up, you mess up, you mess up. And the devil says, God don't love you no more. You did that. God don't love you no more. You don't, don't even bother praying. Don't bother singing. Don't bother going to church. Don't bother because God don't love you no more. And then you, and then you think, well, why try? Why bother? Why? Because of the love of God. Because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because there is a love that is unconditional. There's a love that's unchangeable. There's a love that's steadfast and steady. No matter what season I might find myself in. No matter what condition I might find myself in. God doesn't look across. God doesn't look down here and say, well, they're in pretty good condition. I'll love them. They're in pretty good shape. I'll love them. That's not what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever... No matter what condition I might find myself in, I can experience the love of God in my life. His love never fails. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's perfect love. It's much more than an emotion, church. It is a devotion. The kind of love that I'm talking about isn't an emotion. It's not just some kind of feeling, and I'll talk about that later. Because I'm telling you, if God's love towards us and Jesus' love towards us was based on feelings and emotions, good Lord, I wonder where we'd be. Because our lives and the things that we do in the natural outside of agape love, man, I, got some, I would have some bad emotions and feelings towards somebody. You know, when somebody does you wrong... You get some pretty bad feelings. You get some pretty bad emotions. I, I don't think you want to display much love on them at that point. And if God was the same way, where would we be? But his love's perfect, church. It is much more than an emotion. It's a devotion. It's unconditional, like I said. Even Webster's, when you look up Webster's definition of love, because it's the English language, and we'll look at the Hebrew language for that, but Webster says love is this. It's an intense feeling of deep affection. Just a feeling. Well, listen, that's not the love I'm talking about either. Because sometimes I feel like loving somebody, and sometimes I don't feel like loving somebody. Sometimes I feel like hugging somebody. Sometimes I feel like punching somebody. You, you understand what I'm saying? But this is not the kind of love I'm talking about, and it's not the kind of love we're supposed to put on display. The love we are supposed to put on display is the same love that God in Christ demonstrated towards us, unconditional. It's a devoted love, church. It doesn't go up and down depending on the seasons. It is the attitude of a renewed heart put on display. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. It is the attitude of the, the renewed heart that's been filled with the love of God, that's been touched by the love of God, that's experienced the love of God. And now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to put it on display. 
in our life, not on a mantle in our house, not in a little letter or note or something that we tuck away somewhere. It, it is supposed to be put on display in our lives. It's the attitude of our heart put on display out there in this world and in front of everybody that's around us, church. Listen, when it comes to the love that God has for us, he didn't just talk about it. Amen? He didn't just talk about it. He didn't put on a t-shirt like, look, like my, like my eagles. Listen, I, I'm promoting the eagles here, right? Uh, here's all I got to say. I'm going to get a little carnal here. 41 to 33. That's all I'll say. Yeah, it was. But Jesus, listen, Jesus didn't put on a t-shirt that said, I love you, and wear it around Jerusalem. He didn't put a bumper sticker on the back of his donkey and ride it around Jerusalem that says, I love you. Honk, you know, he didn't do that. What was he? He was a living demonstration of his father's love towards us. A selfless love, unconditional love, sacrificial love. When he was being beaten, battered, and bruised, and hanging on Calvary's cross, and they were gambling for his garments at the foot of the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's, that's unconditional love. No matter what season he found himself in, Jesus always looked beyond himself and he demonstrated the love of God. And that's what we're supposed to do as well. In every season that we find ourselves in, whatever company we find ourselves in, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we are supposed to put the love of God on display. Because if there was ever a time we needed the love of God to be on display, it's today. Look at the news, look at society, look at the world in which we live, look at the condition of our courts, look at the conditions of, of, of the, 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 the racial tensions that are all over in our country, all across the globe. If there was ever a time where we needed the love of God to be put on display, it's today. The worldly love, the secular love, the, the Hollywood love that's being promoted out there, it gets more perverse and crooked uh, every single year. And yet that's what society thinks that's what love is. And this world that's lost thinks that that's what love is too, but there is a love that goes beyond all of those things. Listen, the reality is God didn't just send an Instagram or a tweet that says, I love you. What did he do? He sent us his son, church. He demonstrated his love towards you and me, like I said, while we were still sinners. The reality is there's no greater love than this, the Bible says. And we lay down his life that someone would lay down his life for a friend. It's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us, church. And that's what we have to understand. The only way that you and I, and I'm not saying that we got to go to Calvary's cross and hang ourselves up, you know, like, like Jesus did. But the reality is Jesus looked beyond himself, church. He demonstrated his father's love by becoming selfless. The Bible says even though he came in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped. But what did he do? He emptied himself. He became a servant. And he put others before himself. That's how you demonstrate the love of God. And that's what we're supposed to do in the world in which we live, and because that's actually the definition of agape love. There's no greater love that God could have put on display than the cross of Jesus Christ. And what we have to understand is that God's love wasn't idle. God's love wasn't static, like he said. It wasn't just written in a note. It wasn't just put on a piece of paper. It wasn't on a t-shirt. It wasn't a bumper sticker. It was in the living form of his living son. That's what we have to understand. The love of God wasn't idle. It wasn't static. It was living and active. And it was put on display for the entire world to see. For you to see and for me to see. And it's what draws the world to God. It's what draws the world to Jesus. It's that love, church. Listen, how many of you know that if there was ever a time, like I said, that God's love needed to be on display again, it's today. If 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, ever needed to be on display, it's today. If there was ever a time where the love of God needed to be put into motion to have hands and feet and, and legs and arms, it needs to be today, church. That's the reality is, listen, if there was ever a time God's love needed to be more than words, it's today. The truth is love without action Love without deeds, love without doings is dead. Love without doings is dead. Listen, you can tell your wife 
you love her all day long. You can tell your husband you love him all day long. But unless it's put into motion, it really doesn't mean much. You can tell your kids you love them all day long. But unless it's put on display, unless it's put into motion, unless it comes off of a page and it becomes part of your life and it's put on display, it's really empty and it's really meaningless. You can tell your coworkers, your family, your friends that you love them, but until it's put on display, it's powerless and it's empty. It's nothing more than a four-letter word, but the reality is what we have to do. We have to be living examples. We have to be the billboard, like I said, and the living example of this love that I'm talking about. It must be put in, on display because love undemonstrated isn't love at all. Love that's undemonstrated is nothing more, like I said, than a four-letter word. But how many of you are glad God was more than just words? It was more than cheap talk, amen? Like I said earlier, God didn't send us a postcard from paradise saying, wish you could be here. He sent us a way to get there. And this is what we have to understand. Listen, we are the ones that are supposed to be displaying that same kind of love that connects the world with God, that connects the world with Jesus Christ, that draws them in. There's no greater love than that, church. It's a love that's put on display, there's no greater love than a love lived out, a love that's put into motion. 1 John 3.18 says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It says let your love be more than words. Let your words be, become more than, than just a, a, a word. Let your words become more than just a word, more than talk, but let them become deed, church, and let, them, let it be revealed in our doings. My point is this. True love does something. It doesn't just say something. True love does something. Agape love does something. The love of God actually does something, church, and that's what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to do something to demonstrate his love. It does something. True love or, or the agape love that I'm talking about, it does something for your spouse. It does something for your children. It does something for your family. It does something for your coworkers and, and your friends and those that are around you. Listen to me. This is the hardest part, but Jesus says to do it. He says, love, agape, love your enemies. Agape does something for your enemies. This is what Jesus did. Oh, wow, but how hard is that for us, man? We want to do something else to our enemies besides love them. But God said, this is what you're supposed to do. Agape love, true love, the love that I'm talking about, it actually even does something for your enemies, church. It reaches and goes beyond itself. This is what we have to understand. It's a perfect love, and it's an agape love, and it's got to be demonstrated through our actions, church, through the things that we do, the way that we live our life. Agape love is not a romantic love. It's not a... It's not a a candlelight dinner kind of love. It's not a sexual love, a romantic love. It's, it's not eros love, which is, a, which is a word for love in the, in the Greek. It's not an eros love from where we get the word erotic. Because eros is a self-serving love. It's a self-satisfying love. It's a self-absorbed love. It's a selfish love. Eros love never looks beyond itself, church. It always looks to me, myself, and I, how I can be pleased, how I can be pleasured, what I can get out of this. It's like the guy that says to the girl, if you love me, you'll give me. If you love me, you'll let me do this. Because Eros love only takes, it never gives. It, it, it only wants to be satisfied and never wants to satisfy anyone else. It, it gets what it can and manipulates those around it, around it so, it can, so it can be fulfilled. Church, Eros love is not love at all. It's actually a feeling and an emotion of lust that must be satisfied. And this is not the kind of love that we're supposed to put on display out there because it looks just like the world. You see, if you think you love someone and all you're doing is taking from them, you don't love them at all. If all, you, uh, if all, all the people around you that, that you say you love are only there so you can get something from them, that's not love at all. That's actually a perverted 
eros kind of love. It, it, it takes, but it never gives. It, it, it never looks beyond itself. But how many of you know that Jesus Christ looked beyond himself? He looked beyond the, the cross. He, he looked beyond the pain and the suffering. He looked beyond the heartache. He looked beyond the, the battering and the bruising. He looked beyond the bitter cup. And, and, and he saw you and me and he saw our need. And he didn't care about himself. He poured out his love like a drink offering, the Bible says, so that you and I might be filled and satisfied. He drank the bitter cup so you and I wouldn't have to. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. It looks beyond itself. Agape love is not phileo love either, which is simply a friendship or a brotherly love. It's where Philadelphia got its name, the city of brotherly love, church. Phileo love is a BFF love. It, it, it actually does work both ways, but how many of you know even BFF love fails? Because one day girls can be BFFs and the next day, they can be mortal enemies. One day, it can be hugs and kisses, and the next day, it's tearing out hair from one another. Phileo love, it goes both ways, but when it stops going both ways, it stops. You see, this is the way phileo loves work. I love you if you love me. It works if you're good to me, I'll be good to you. If you give to me, I'll give to you. If, if you make me happy, I'll, I'll make you happy. It's a step up from Eros because there's some form of sacrifice, but it's still selfish. Because it expects something in return. I'll give it because, because I really like you or because I have a phileo love for you. But eventually when that love stops being reciprocal, eventually when it stops being given back, eventually when, when you're the only one pouring out and, and not receiving anything in return, the phileo love disappears. Well, I won't love you anymore. I won't call you anymore. I won't Skype you anymore. I won't come over to your house anymore. I'm not going to go out with you anymore because it expects something in return. That's not agape love either. How many of you know God didn't expect anything in return? Jesus didn't expect anything in return. God's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever... If it was one person and everybody else turned their back on God and turned their back on Jesus Christ, he still poured out his love. Because agape love doesn't expect anything in return. It just gives and gives and gives and, and loves and loves and loves and serves and serves and serves and blesses and blesses and blesses. Man, if God's love was, was determined by what we can give back, I don't know where we'd be. The reality is, listen, that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you is that agape love is unique and it's distinguished by its nature and its character. And its character and nature is self-sacrificing. It's uncompromising and unconditional. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Nothing will affect my love. That's, that's the love of God. It doesn't matter what we do. It's, it's unconditional. It's unchangeable. No matter how you hurt me, I'm still going to love you. No matter what you say against me, I'm still going to love you. Man, we need some of that in marriages today. We need some of that in households today. No matter what my child does to disappoint me, I'm still going to pour out my love on you. No, matter how you. no matter how you grieve my heart and no matter how far away you wander, no matter how you make some dumb decisions in life, I'm still going to pour out my love on you. I'm still going to be there for you. When you call me, I'll answer the phone. When you knock, I'll open the door. That's the kind of agape love that I'm talking about. It never shuts the door on a need. That's what God did for us. It's what Christ did for us. And it's what God continues to do for us. And now he's saying to us, that's the kind of love that needs to be on display out there. Because somewhere along the way, someone's going to knock. Someone's going to call. You know what? I, one of the things that I love about South Metro, I've been here for a lot of years. And one of the things that I've seen is a lot of people go... And a lot of them come back. And the doors are always open. Doors are always open. We have a pastor. Doesn't matter 
how much he might have been abused by that person, how much he might have been told off by that person, how much a staff person might have been, you know, told off by a staff person, and, and somebody leaves unhappy, they come back, guess what? That door is still wide open. That's the way we're supposed to be. When someone, when someone needs the love of God demonstrated in their life, it needs to be unconditional. Amen, church? This is what the Hebrew word for agape means. It means a love that is compassionately, that compassionately and righteously seeks the well-being of others above itself. That's what agape love is. It compassionately and righteously seeks the well-being of others above itself. Just like Jesus did, church. Just like God did through Jesus Christ. He sought our well-being, amen? He sought our well-being compassionately and righteously. Again, I, I quoted that scripture. He became a servant, and he considered us more important than himself. That's what, that's what agape love does. For God demonstrated agape love towards us, the Bible says in Hebrew. He demonstrated his self-sacrificing nature toward you and me, and that while we were sinners, while we were dirty, while we were unclean, while we were unrighteous, while we were wrapped in rags, church, he laid down his life for us anyway. He laid down his life for us anyway. Because he placed our well-being above his own, church. That's the nature that we're called to have as his offspring as well. Selfless. That's the nature that you and I should be as children of God. It's the nature that we should have. Selfless natures. Oh, but how hard that is. Listen, I'm telling you it's hard for me. I mean, that's hard for you. It's hard to be selfless. Especially in the world that we live in. It's hard to be selfless in the world in which we live, church. But the Word of God tells us that this world will know that we are His children. This world will know that we're His offspring. This world will know that we are His disciples and His students. This world will know that we are those that have been made new. This world will know that we are those that have been brought out of darkness into His glorious light. This world will know that we are part of the kingdom of God by this, that we love one another, that we agape one another. That's the way the Word of God says this world will know we belong to God. It doesn't say they'll know that you're Christians because you come to church every Sunday. It doesn't say this world will know that you're Christians because you carry a big Bible, because you wear a three-piece suit, because you can quote a thousand scriptures, because I can preach a powerful message, because I teach in Sunday school, because my, my name is on the roll of South Metro Ministries. It doesn't say they'll know that you're Christians because you're part of a religious organization. Those are all good. But the Bible says that they will know you belong to the Father which is in heaven, by the love, the agape, again, by this selfless nature we have towards one another. That's what it means. They will know that we belong to the kingdom of God because we live a selfless life. Listen, you can come to church all day long. We can sing all the songs. We can ring the word of God. But when we find ourselves in a situation out there and all this world sees is selfishness and bitterness and envy and jealousy and greed and strife and racism and all of those other things, they will not for one second think you belong to God. They will know that we are Christians when we live selflessly, when we're willing to sacrifice ourselves, not like hanging on a cross, but to give up our own uh, wishes and desires and preferences, that we would prefer someone over ourselves. And Lord, how hard that is to do, but it's exactly what we've been called to do. We've been called to put that kind of love on display. So what I'm trying to do, I've got some time, I'm trying to create this mental picture so you understand what is it that's supposed to be on display every time I go out there? Selflessness. Amen. Selflessness. 
That's what is at the heart of agape love. It is complete selflessness that looks past my own preferences that I might prefer someone else over me. When I find myself in in an environment where an argument might begin to take place, whether it's with my wife, whether it's with my children, whether it's with my coworkers, whether it's my friends, whether it's even with a stranger, what God is saying is at that moment of tension, you must prefer that other person above yourself. You must have that nature and character of selflessness. The king, the, the agape love must be put on display. And listen, when we do that, their lives will change. When we do that, their lives will change. The situation will change. The atmosphere will change. The environment will change. But when selfishness comes up against selfishness, this is all that happens. It's fight. It's chaos. It's a struggle. But when this, when this individual says, I prefer you over me, it just ends up being enveloped in that love that I'm talking about, and it changes that individual's heart. Amen. This is what the Word of God is trying to teach us, that we are supposed to compassionately and righteously seek the well-being of others over ourselves. They will know that we are Christians or children of God by the love we put on display, by the love we put into motion. Know that we're Christians and not like this world, like I said, by our selflessness. They will know we are Christians by our self-sacrificing nature. And here's what we need to learn from this. We can't do that on our own. I can't cultivate a selfless nature all on my own. And I can try I can do it. I try. I can't cultivate that nature all on my own. I need the word of God. I need the seeds of salvation and and the seeds of truth and the seeds of righteousness to be saturated and and sown into my spirit. I I need the Holy Spirit to help develop that and and cultivate that. I need the power of God in my life. I need the the presence of God in my life. I need to be rooted in, in Jesus Christ from whom this love flows. I can't do it on my own. And this is what I'm saying. The more that we, we root ourselves in Christ, the, the more we put ourselves in the Word, the more we connect ourselves to Christ, the, the more we pray, the more we do all these things and come to church and, 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 and expose ourselves to the Word of God, we can then begin to cultivate this selfless nature within us. But so often we... we, we We don't allow those things in our life, or we overlook those things in our life, or we just stay away from those things in our life, and then we wonder why we can't cultivate that that nature of Christ in our life. We're not rooted in Him. We're not built up in Him, church, but this is the reality. What separates you and me from this world is not a Sunday suit. The thing that separates you and me from this world is not the big Bible that we carry, church. It's not the Christianese that I speak. It's not. It's the selfless nature of Jesus Christ that has to be put on display in a world that that has no love. We're living in a society where love is, it, it can only be the only place you can find the love of God is in the children of God. And if the children of God are not putting it on display, this world is hopeless. It's hopeless. So every day when we get up, every day that we go out, we have to ask the question of my title. Or at the end of the day, was, my, was, was the love of God on display in my life today? Was it on display in the workplace? When I step out, that should be our cry. God, help me to be a billboard for your love. Help me to, help me to put your love into motion, to not just talk about it, but to do it. To be the hands, to be the feet, to be the one that is willing to look beyond their own comforts and their their own preferences to help minister to those that are around them. Because listen to me, everyone around you that's not saved and even saved, but especially those that aren't saved, need to be ministered to. 
They need the love of God to be, to be displayed in their life because they can't find it anywhere else, church. And I'm just saying that's what God has called us to be. So this is the love I'm talking about, a love that demonstrates that we are Christians, church. It's the, the nature of God and the character of God which we've been called to put on display in the midst of this world, a world filled with all the things that I've told you about. And as I begin to wind this down, what we have to understand is the love of God, the love of God put on display by his people has the power, like I said, to change lives. It's why it shouldn't matter. Listen, it's why it shouldn't matter who walks through those doors on a Sunday morning. Doesn't matter what color they are. Doesn't matter if the person is black or white or anything in between. It doesn't matter if they got long hair, short hair, chopped hair, purple hair, or no hair at all. The love of God has to be put on display. It doesn't matter if they got two tattoos all over their body, piercings all over their body. It doesn't matter if they're married or they're single or if it's an unwed mother. It doesn't matter who walks through those doors, church. The love of God is unconditional. It is the same towards everyone in this world. If God died for everyone, regardless of their condition, why should I not love them regardless of their condition? And if I'm not loving them that way, I'm not demonstrating the love of God. I'm not a billboard for the love of God. I'm not putting it into motion. We have an opportunity every single Sunday, and I'm going to get beyond Sunday. We have an opportunity every single Sunday with the people that walk by us and the people that walk through that door to be a demonstration demonstration of God's love, to reach out to them, to bless them, to look beyond my own comfort zone, to get up out of my seat and go give a hug to someone I've never seen before, to not look at them crooked if they're not the right color, they're not wearing the right clothes. That's what we have to understand. Whether they got on a t-shirt and flip-flops or a three-piece suit, we got to love them all the same. Why? Because God did. God did. That's why I should. Why in the world should I put myself above God? That's what we do when we don't love. We're saying, I got a higher standard of love than God does. I, 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 got, I got better standards, man. Man, God just, he just throws his love on anybody. Yeah, Amen. He threw it on you, threw it on me when I didn't deserve it, and we need to throw it on those that are around us as well. That's just what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, church. The last thing that I want to say is, again, like I said, wind this down. What we have to remember when it comes to this love is that God is an invisible God. He's an invisible God. You can't see him, right? I mean, I can feel him. You can't see them. This world can't see them. I mean, maybe they can see uh, the works of God. But listen to me. God's not a tree. God's not a mountain. God's not a river. God's not a bumblebee like, you know, a, a lot of religions think. You know, God's nature. No, he's not. He's the creator of nature. He's the one that spoke and made a bumblebee. He's the one that spoke and ignited the sun. He's the one that spoke and the trees were formed and the, and, the, and the valleys were dug out and the mountains were molded. God's not a mountain, church. He's the maker of the mountain. That's what you and I need to understand. And, but, but this is what I'm trying to say. He's an invisible God. We can see his power. We can see his glory. We can see those things. But those that are in the world that haven't experienced the love of God, they might even be blinded to those things, church. But he's an invisible God, and the way we make him visible is through our love. That's how we make him visible, through agape love every single day, through agape love put on display. If you want the, if you want the world to see God, let them see him through your agape love. When you look beyond yourself, when you prefer them past yourself, that's when they see the love of God. That's when God becomes visible to them, church, because they can't see it everywhere else. When they see selflessness, they see God. When they see a selfless nature and character inside of somebody, they see God. When they find someone that prefers them over themselves, they see God. When they find someone 
that speaks to them and sits down with them, even the midst of their mess, church, when everybody else shuns them, when everybody else walks away, they see God. This is what we have to understand. Every single day, no matter where we're at, at school, at work, out there on the road, our desire should be to let someone see God through our lives, through our selflessness, through the character that, he's a, that we've allowed him to cultivate in our lives. Listen, the truth is, according to Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, the greatest commandment in Scripture tells us to love beyond ourselves. Jesus said, you're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's part of loving beyond yourself. Because listen, when you love God with all, all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, guess what? That leaves no room for loving me, myself, and I. When you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, guess what? I can't love up on me. I can't love on me, myself, and I when I've given all my love away to God. You understand what I'm saying? That's the greatest and the first commandment God had. He wants all your love. And then, and then look at what he says. It says. And in the same way, he said, in the same way, you're supposed the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you love your neighbor like you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, when you love them in that same, because he said it. He said, and and. The second is just like it. The second command is just like the first one. He's, this is what he's saying. You're supposed to give your love away to your neighbor. You're supposed to give that same love away to your neighbor, above yourself. It's again counting your neighbor more important than, than me. How about, man, I don't want to go over to my neighbor's house. I don't want to go do this. I don't want to go that. That's going to inconvenience me. That's going to cost me something. But that's what agape love does. It costs something, church. We can't be selfish and we can't be stingy with the love that we're talking about because that's where they see God. Amen? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which leaves no room for you. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, it means you should love your neighbor like you, you might want to love yourself, but you're going to love them first. We're going to love them first. That doesn't mean that we always forget about us. Well, we bring our needs to God. Amen? What I, my point is simply this, and I'm getting ready to close this out. What this word is trying to teach us is that we have to love beyond ourselves. We have to love beyond me, myself, and I. We have to live, love beyond our, our uh, preferences, the word of God says. And sometimes it's hard, church, but it's what we've been redeemed to do. How many of you know you've been redeemed to love beyond yourself? That's what we've been redeemed to do. He didn't just redeem us so we can go to glory. And thank God for that. He redeemed us so that that love that redeemed us might be seen by somebody else so that they might be redeemed as well. Amen? And if there's no one to display that love, if there's no one that has a selfless nature like God in Christ does that will reveal God to them, they will never become redeemed themselves because a tree can't redeem them no matter how beautiful it is. And a mountain can't redeem them no matter how beautiful it is. And a river can't redeem them no matter how beautiful it is. They are redeemed through God, and they can only find God through those who are able to put him on display in their lives, selflessly, church. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. Close with this, 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love agape one another. Let us have a selfless nature and character towards one another. You all know the passage. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another. And every time you see that word love, it means agape. Beloved, let us love. Let us agape. Let us demonstrate a selfless nature towards one another. For the selfless nature... For love is of God, for a selfless nature is of God. 
And everyone that has a selfless nature is born of God and knows God. He that does not have a selfless nature does not know God, for God is a selfless nature. So, beloved, let us have a selfless nature towards one another. That's what that word means. And what we're asking, the question is, and it was the title of my message, is your love on display? That's what it means. Is the love of God, is the selfless nature of God and the selfless nature of Jesus Christ on display in our lives? Is it on display in my house? Is it on display in my marriage? Is it on display in my family? Is it on display at my workplace? Is it on display when things are good? And is it on display when things are bad? Is the love of God on display when, when we might call him a bozo, cuts us off in the middle of the road? Is it on display when somebody done me wrong and all of a sudden I want to sing somebody done me wrong song? Is the love of God still on display? Is the love of God on display when you got somebody, you know, in the, uh, in the speedy checkout lane that's only supposed to have 10 items, has a whole basket full, and you're in a hurry? Is it on display? Is it on display when your wife says something unkind or your husband says something unkind and you want to retaliate? Is it on display when your kids act up? Is it on display when your boss is just getting on your case all day long? Is it on display? That's what, that's what the question is. Because the reality is that's what God wants. He wants us as his children. He wants us as his offspring to have his love on display in our lives. So I close with this. I'm the first one to say, God, there's times your love isn't on display like it needs to be. Amen? But if you're here tonight and you say, God, I, I want to do a better job of being a billboard of your love. And, a, and, a, and an example of your love, and a display of your love. And I'm just going to ask that you stand with me, that we can pray together, amen? Because if there was ever a time that this world needs to see and experience the love of God, it's today. So what my hope and prayer is, is that, that when tomorrow comes, you remember this word, and you look for the opportunity to be a living example and a living display of the love of God. And when you're faced with a difficult situation, circumstance, whatever it might be, that we know in our spirit, God, let me be that living example and display of your love. Amen? So whatever that is, you pray about that, and I'll pray over all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your truth. And God, I thank you that you, you love us enough uh, that you speak sometimes difficult things into our lives. I mean, you love us enough to discipline us, the word says. And I'm not necessarily saying that this was a disciplinary word tonight, God, but it is, serves as a reminder that you have expectations as a, of us, God, that we're supposed to be a reflection of your love, that we're supposed to have the right nature and the character of selflessness in our lives, God. But we're fleshly beings, and there's times where being selfless is difficult. We'd rather be selfish. God, I pray that you would crucify those, those selfish desires in our life, God. That you would help us to be a selfless example of the kingdom of God, a selfless example of Jesus Christ, God. That we would be willing to prefer others over ourselves, God. Be, we, be, be willing to put the agape love that I'm talking about on display in every area of our life, God, in our marriage, in our homes, in our families, in our workplace, everywhere that we might go, God, that we would be that living example, that your love would be put into motion through each and every one of us, Father God, that this world might know that we belong to you because of our love, not worldly love, but selfless, sacrificing love, God. Help us to be those individuals, God, that make you proud. I thank you first and foremost, God, that you don't fall in love with us and fall out of love with us, God. I thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. Maybe there's someone here tonight, God, they've never experienced that unconditional love from anyone, God. I pray tonight that they would experience that from you. 
God, that they would open up their hearts and that they would just say, God, love me like I've just heard. Because I've been in a mess and I've been through some stuff and, and the devil's been whispering that, that I'm unlovable, God, and been telling me lies. God, I pray that you would pour out your love on that individual tonight, God. And then let us be the same to those around us, no matter what they're going through, no matter what their struggles might be, no matter where they are in life. Help us to be willing to love on them, God, like you loved on us. Forgive us of our sins tonight, God. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's physical needs. There's mental needs. There's spiritual needs that are represented in this house tonight. There's individuals that need turnaround. There's individuals that need the kingdom of God to be opened into their lives, God. For miracles to be poured out, God. For situations to be turned around tonight. Lift them up tonight, God. And ask that you would meet the needs that they have. Thank you for your word. And as we go out tonight, God, I pray that we would be able to say it was good to be in the house of God. Especially because you've been good to us. Careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And everyone said, amen. Can we just bless him for his word tonight, church? Amen. Go love on someone, amen? Go love one another in Jesus' name. Be that example.